This week, it's been many weeks since I've recorded an episode, and uh, if you're tuning in now, this is a juicy one. I'm about to confess all of my inner demons. Stay tuned. I have a confession. It's not one I'm particularly proud of, but it's not one anybody should be proud of. I have to say, I'm a thief. Really, my only consolation in this fact is that we all are. We're born thieves. We don't understand or know language. Language isn't something that comes from inside of us necessarily, but something we grab onto, something our parents give to us willingly, but we steal much more than they give willingly. Case in point, our first swear words, right? Yes, it's cute to hear your kids say shit or damn for the first time, but that's asserting independence. And in this internet age, being a writer is kind of a funny thing. You know, I grew up without the internet, and it came to being as I got a little older in high school. And so my early introductions to pastiche or word theft, language play, was poetry. And honestly, like William Burroughs and Brian Geisen... The cut-up methods. It's a bit cliche. Um, everybody loves those things, right? But I don't know if it really resonated with me at first. Was it a bit of a gimmick? I think it was, really, until I saw some of the film work that, that Brian Geisen had, had done. Uh, that really helped cement for me this sort of other language. And I don't want to get too heady, and I don't want to go into critical essays or any of those things that I've written, Uh, but it's really interesting and exciting to me to think about. So with that in mind, I was going back through my archive, and I've done this before. Uh, I read from things I've written, snippets, blurbs, whatever, and I'd like to do so again because... I'm trying to come to terms with it. You know, I'd like to finish my novel at some point or start a new one entirely, but reading this essay today by Kenneth Goldsmith on his website, my very, very, very favorite website on the entire internet, ubu.com, that's U-B-U, ubuweb this repository of amazing thinkers in film and music and visual poetry and language inspired me to dig back into my work. And I kind of did some editing and I wanted to share with you uh, a snippet from a small section. So here goes nothing.
Four men, the shapes of men, approached in the darkness. The cold air allowed for a particularly distant visibility this night. Normally, to see past Griffey Hill was all but impossible, even on the clearest, pollution-free days of winter. The inversion layer, the dense dome of smog and soot spewed from wood stoves, cars, the nearby coal mine, and numerous gas fields must have been graciously swept off the ridges this one night. Truly seldom occurrence. Idling here in this field, we rolled our windows down so that we might breathe in more of the stars. The cold air finding its way through the zipper of my jacket, stabbing at my sternum, as if to break my bone and chill my quickening heart. I snugged down deeper and pulled at my hat, hoping to save the crest of my window-side ear from the biting rush, sudden gust. Dried, hard bits of snow flitted into the cab carried by the crafty air, a cold wind that finds its way into warm spaces, no matter what insulated walls or glass are placed in its path. We were strangely calm, perhaps lulled into a sense of security at the wonderment this landscape often inspired. Maybe just happy for the cleaner, clearer air in our lungs. Whatever the cause of our stillness, it was not justified. The four shapes were approaching our car, just outside the reach of our headlights, and they moved with a nearly supernatural speed, almost jumping, leaping forward seven or eight normal paces at a time, but they weren't running that I could tell. I reached for the radio dial. My father looking into the distance did not move to stop me, though I knew he would protest my selected station. Click. The knob broke loose in my hands just before I made my selection. In abrupt crescendo, the radio bled beyond a tolerable volume. I miss the rains down in Africa. Great. I don't give a shit about rain in Africa. My best guess. The knob was loosed by the cold. The poorly assembled plastic made all the more brittle. And now we were stuck with Toto. The silence was broken. My father's face tightened with a noticeable displeasure. Believe me, I was none too pleased either, but he did not move his gaze. I expected he would twist his eyes around in my direction at the very least. Give me one of those thanks a lot glares he was famous for, or at least grumble at my mistake. But neither of these things happened. Nothing's ever gonna take me away from you. The four shapes were now only two. I didn't see what happened to the others. Maybe they took off when I was fumbling with a knob. The men were almost within the light of our high beams now. I felt my pulse throbbing intensely under my skin and noticed I was breathing differently, but I didn't feel anxious or nervous. How odd, I thought. 
this is really quite scary, extraordinarily surreal. My body seemed to be raising its defenses, but my mind just wouldn't cooperate. I didn't think about running. I just waited, expecting something to happen. A spaceship, maybe, to descend, like, out of close encounters of the third kind. That didn't happen. I looked at my father, the Mr. Gray, at first to see if he was showing any signs of fear or concern, but instead found myself studying his features. I wondered, did he ever trim that mustache? His calling card, the source of his bravado, I imagined, was not even permanent. I'd never seen him without it, and though I had never witnessed him tidying it up with scissors, the shrubbery was always neatly sculpted. Even the rest of him was unkempt. When he was stubbly-cheeked, and his U-shaped hair overgrown and unbrushed, his mustache was perfect. Again, like I said, my mind would not cooperate. Wandering, even though I felt the fear rising in my chest. On this night, none of our features were to remain perfect. And we sensed it somehow in this preternatural air. There was uneasiness to the landscape. Even the few lonely trees looked bent in Congress with the sagebrush. Nature communicating to nature, just as I am speaking to myself now. And the incongruous warnings went unheard. That was a clip from Stolen Sentences. Like I said, pastiche. The whole modus operandi of this particular book is that each section in it somewhere has something lifted, pilfered, stolen, borrowed, reappropriated from a novel that had a huge impact on me or that I've loved in some way or a conversation I heard in passing. Because really, at the end of the day, we're all thieves. Thieves of language, thieves of thought. Is there anything original? That's sort of an existentialist argument, I guess. Nihilist, maybe. To say, nothing is original. There are only so many combinations of words. Only so many phrases. Might be true, but the least I can do is try. Thanks for listening.